It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome as we get ready for game two of this little mini-series against Calgary to get into all things Flames and get you caught up on where this franchise has been over the summer and up to this point of the year and maybe why they're not as good as we expected them to be. We are now joined by the radio play-by-play voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills. What's going on, Derek? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, A little cold here in Calgary. It is currently minus 29 degrees Celsius and uh, feels like about minus 1,000. So uh, a little warmer in your neck of the woods for sure. Yeah, it's well, it's a it's a great uh, reason to get out and about as opposed to sitting inside, I suppose, because I don't know what else you would really do in these uh, in those conditions, for lack of a better term. But you know, here, here's the other question, Derek, because um, this was very much the case in the abbreviated uh, 56 game schedule a couple of years ago um, in just the 2021 season as a broadcaster. How do you handle not wanting to be repetitive in your broadcast and feeling like you're talking about the exact same things that you did a game previously? Because I know that it's not a playoff series, so that dynamic isn't there. Obviously, there have been some changes like the Sharks' Luke Cunning tearing his ACL and you know out six to eight months, which is very unfortunate, and the hurdle suspension. But how, how do you make sure that you don't uh, don't sound like a broken record? Because I know that this is something that I've encountered myself when I you know when you have a broadcast like oh we just played this team. What what do I bring up that's new? Well, it's actually easier from a prep perspective because oh, yeah. uh, prep took me most of the day uh, on Sunday because it was the first of four games between the Flames and the Sharks this season. So I had to build my uh, Sharks template from scratch. But today, uh, I'm going to have lots of time to kill. I can probably sneak in a workout because uh, basically I've got uh, the template built and I just have to add a few things, subtract a few things, update stats. So it's a lot easier from that perspective. As far as trying to make sure things don't sound repetitive, for, for me, that's a challenge each and every game, regardless if you're playing uh, the same opponent or a different opponent. And when I was working my way up through the ranks, uh, I got to spend some time with you know, some of the great broadcasters of our era, uh, whether it be Rick Jenneret, uh, the Hall of Fame voice mm-hmm. of the Sabres, or uh, Rod Phillips. Uh, when I was with the Hamilton Bulldogs, they were the Edmonton Oilers affiliate for a while, so I got to hang out with him. Uh, so uh, Joe Bowen, who's uh, another Hall of Fame broadcaster with the Maple Leafs. So having spent time with these guys, uh, the one thing that I learned was there are different ways to say the same thing. I mean, really, you're describing the same thing over and over and over again when you're calling it a hockey game. So you have to find different words uh, to use to basically say the same thing. So uh, I, I think I have a pretty good vocabulary. Uh, <laughs> I probably should do a few more crossword puzzles than I do, but I, I think it's just trying to find uh, a different way to describe uh, the same thing that happens over and over and over again in a hockey game, whether it's uh, a different word to uh, describe a shot or a pass. Uh, so just try to mix it up like that. But, you know, every game is unique. Uh, it was a 5-2 game on Sunday. 
uh, could be a 2-1 game today. So there's always new things to talk about. And I guess the other thing that changes for me uh, going from Sunday to, to Tuesday is that uh, my normal broadcast partner, Peter Labardius, uh, couldn't uh, get to the studio to call Sunday's game. So our host, Pat Steinberg, actually did uh, his hosting duties, but also filled in uh, as the color commentator. So I'll have a different color commentator tonight than I had on Sunday. So uh, that'll be different as well. Let me ask you, when you were telling your audience about the Sharks going into Sunday's game, and I'm sure you'll do it again with tonight's broadcast, how were you describing the state of the Sharks franchise? Because uh, it's very, you know, to me, as on someone who's on the inside, it's interesting because they still have some very talented individuals. Uh, Eric Carlson's literally having the best year of his career, which is something that's Crazy. seemingly, you know, that's hyperbolic to say the least, but it's true, you know, when you actually get down to the essence of it and points-wise. Um, but obviously the Sharks' results are not good. They've only won three games at home this year. They are, you know, seventh place in the Pacific Division. So how how did you describe the Sharks? What was your vantage? Well, I do see them as a team that still has a lot of uh, talent, but I also look at them as a franchise that's kind of in no man's land, and I'm sure this season is an important one for new general manager Mike Greer. Uh, and as a, a side note, I am a diehard uh, Dolphins fan. So big fan of Mike's brother, Chris, mm -hmm. who I think has done a really good job uh, putting together the best Dolphins team since the Dan Marino era. But I, I think he has some probably some difficult decisions to make. I look at Timo Meyer, who right now is in the prime of his career, but in the final season of a four-year, $24 million contract, uh, do they extend him or do they move him? So uh, I guess the, the question for me with the Sharks would be, are you planning to rebuild or are you going to try to retool on the fly? Uh, Eric Carlson would be another one. It's going to be tough to move that contract, but with the way he's playing this season, you could argue he's the front runner for the Norris Trophy, which I'm not sure I saw coming because the last time he led the league in points by defenseman, if I'm not mistaken, it was back in 2014, 2015, when he was still with the Senators. And for a long time, he didn't look like the same player. As a matter of fact, I would say, he didn't look like the same player since that Achilles injury. Mm -hmm. But watching him play in some games this season and really watching closely on Sunday night, he looks dynamic again. And mm -hmm. the way he's moving around the ice, I was just so impressed uh, with Eric Carlson on Sunday, uh, the way he was skating, the plays that he was making. And I think that's going to make him movable. You might have to eat part of that contract or you know, take a little bit less in return for him. But there are plenty of teams looking for a guy like him and uh, once they have a little bit more cap space approaching the March 3rd deadline, I do wonder what kind of offers will be out there for Eric Carlson. So uh, I guess they have to decide what they're going to do. Are they going to tear it down and move some veteran players or uh, with some you know good players who are still in the prime of their career or maybe just outside of it, uh, like Logan Couture? Uh, do you think he can kind of retool on the fly here and become a contender again? So you know, I I certainly uh, don't know the answer to that question. You'd have a better idea than than I do. But right now it does kind of feel like they're they're spinning their tires a little bit. No man's land. They're clearly not a Stanley Cup contender like they were for for so many years. But you know they've also got uh, some good talent there. So I'm I'm not sure what I would do if I was Greer. On the flip side, I think everybody after the off season thought that Calgary was going to be far and away. The, the dominant team in this division, I, I thought that Vegas had a great opportunity if they played to their ceiling, which for the most part they have, but I didn't expect that. I really 
expected Calgary and Edmonton to be the one-two punch in this division. And then after that, kind of see what happens. And like any good sports broadcaster, I'm very good at being wrong. So yeah. wh- what do you think is, you know, has, has been the issue with Calgary up to this point of the year? Because I know that I was not alone at the very least, um, you know, to pat myself on the back a, a little. I was not the only person who thought that Calgary was going to dominate this division. Yeah, I I wouldn't say I thought the Flames would dominate the division. I thought they would be one of the top two teams in the division. I thought it would be a battle between the two Alberta teams, uh, the Flames and the Oilers. I, I thought the Golden Knights could put themselves into that conversation if they got goaltending. And in hindsight, and I hate to say this about uh, Robin Leonard because you know he's he's had some physical and mental challenges during his career, but him not being around seems to be a good thing for that Golden Knights team. But I wasn't sure they had a number one guy. It looked to me like they had three or four number two guys. But Logan Thompson has emerged and has proven, at least to this point in the season, to to be a number one goaltender for them. And we'll see how it works out long term. But you know, the Golden Knights uh, have clearly been the class of the division so far. I, I'm not sold on the Kraken. Uh, I think there could be a drop off there. I think the Oilers are the second best team in the division right now. And I still think the Flames are going to find a way to finish in the top three in the Pacific division when all is said and done. But uh, like you, I had really high expectations going into the season. And it's funny, Ted, because I think back to the offseason, actually going back further than that, I think back to last season's Stanley Cup playoffs. So the Flames go to overtime in game seven to get by the Stars in the first round, setting up the first Battle of Alberta in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 31 years, dating back to 1991. Crazy to think it had been that long since the Flames and Oilers played in a postseason series. But then the Flames win game one, nine to six. Basically, they beat the Oilers at their own game. You're thinking, geez, if they can beat the Oilers at their own game, I don't see how the Oilers can win this series. Well, Jacob Markstrom fell off a cliff in games two, three, four, and five. And uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle were basically unstoppable. And, you know, the Oilers complete a gentleman's sweep. And that leads to some big questions going into the offseason. Johnny Gaudreau uh, informs the Flames the night before free agency mm-hmm. that he is going to test free agency, ends up signing with the Blue Jackets. A couple of weeks after that, Matthew Kachuk informs the team that he isn't open to signing a long term extension. So you think, okay, what are they going to do? Are they going to tear this thing down and rebuild or uh, I guess you have to wait and see what they get in return for Kachuk and the return really did dictate the direction the team was going to go in because there was such a small number of teams that uh, Kachuk was willing to to be traded to and to sign a long, long-term extension with I thought Brad Treleving was painted into a corner but kind of like a corner an animal he came out fighting yeah. I did not think in a million years that Brad Treleving was going to get Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Wieger, Cole Schwint, a prospect they're pretty excited about, and a first-round pick for Matthew Kachuk, when really he didn't have a lot of leverage to work with. So, you know, it's funny. In this league, it's almost impossible to replace a 100-point player. So the Flames lose two 100-point players in Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, but they get one back in Jonathan Huberdeau, who finished tied for second, ironically with Gaudreau, in the Art Ross Trophy race last season. They also get a first-pairing defenseman, or at least a top-four defenseman back in Mackenzie Wieger. So uh, at that point, the Flames were all in. They pushed all their trips to the middle of the table, and then they were able to bring in Nazem Kadri, the type of player who, well, he just won a Stanley Cup last season and tends to play his best hockey when the games get hard. 
And the Flames needed more players like that. So I was with you. I really thought that uh, the team might not have as much success during the regular season, but was probably set up to have more success in the postseason. And it still might work out that way. But it has been a bit of a grind for the Flames this season. Everything's been harder for them. Scoring goals has been harder. Uh, winning games has been harder. Uh, you've seen some frustration in, in their game. And you know Sunday's game against the Sharks really was an outlier in the sense that last year, the Flames would be in games where they were tied or maybe ahead by a goal. And then in the blink of an eye, they would just kick their opponent while they were down and, and skate to an easy win. This season, they've played in more one-goal games and have lost more one-goal games <laughs> than any team in the league. And I think when you're having trouble scoring, it, it just leads to a lot of bad things. You're gripping your sticks too tightly. Uh, the goaltenders feel like they can't let one in because uh, the team's not going to score any for them. For example, Jacob Markstrom snapped a six-game losing streak on Sunday. During that six-game losing streak, the Flames scored a grand total of eight goals. I, I mean, to steal a baseball turn, you got to give your goaltenders some run support. So it's been a tough start to the season, but there are a couple of games by uh, above 500. You're only two points out of a playoff spot. There's still plenty of time to turn it around, but they're going to have to start stringing some wins together. And this is a really important four-game road trip to California before the Christmas break. I feel like if they can win three out of four, they'll go into the break feeling good about themselves and have something to build on coming out of the break. But, you know, if they go two and two or one and three on this road trip, then uh, I think the frustration is just going to continue to build. What did you think of the uh, suspension for Tomas Hurdle? Because from, from my perspective, I don't, you know, it's a bad play on Hurdle's part. Um, you are always going to be as the as the the person who reacts or retaliates. There's going to be more emphasis on that. But I think what a lot of fans were kind of pointing out is the inconsistency across the league of how that um, you know the the discipline is being doled out. Do, do you have a reaction to that? Because, I mean, obviously, you don't hate not seeing Hurdle out there against your team tonight. But yeah. I think I understand what fans are saying, even regardless of whether or not they're Sharks fans. They just it's inconsistent how the dis discipline comes down. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get from the Department of Player Safety. They do have a really difficult job because it's very rarely black and white. It's usually gray, and uh, it's tough to sort that out sometimes. So I do sympathize with them, but I think there's been a lot of inconsistency from the Department of Player Safety, and I think there's been a lot of inconsistency with the officials this season. And there's been a bit of a turnover. A lot of the veteran guys who were around the league for a long time were, I don't want to say pushed out the door, but uh, maybe asked to leave. And they replaced those guys with uh, some younger, less experienced officials. And it's probably going to take those guys some time to, to get to a level where they need to be at to, to give fans and broadcasters and uh, more importantly, uh, players and teams the kind of consistency that uh, they need from officials. So, yeah, I understand the frustration. Uh, as far as the the hurdle play, uh, you know, he gets involved with Lindholm off the face-off. If he gets a stick up uh, to anywhere but the neck or face area, he probably gets away with a penalty and maybe no suspension. But when you get your stick up into a guy's face, I think that's yeah. uh, where the league probably feels some pressure to uh, to send a bit of a message to that player and uh, to players around the league. So I get where Sharks fans are coming from. I understand your frustration there because there has been a lot of inconsistency. But from the Flames side of things, uh, if he didn't get suspended, I know they would have been upset. So, again, a lot of gray area and uh, tough to, to say that they were right or wrong in their decision. Two games does feel like a lot for a guy who doesn't have a, a, a bad history, but uh, again, the Flames aren't complaining about it.
Yeah, I mean, Hurdle said after the fact that it was a bad play on his part and he wasn't trying to go for the, you know, the high stick, wasn't trying to do that, which I acknowledge, but I mean, intent isn't really the issue here. It's, you know, that's that's just how it goes and unfortunate, but, you know, it's it's hockey and that's that's how it works. Um, just a, uh, a final one for you, just your thoughts on the game tonight. I mean, you just saw these two teams go at it. There is probably going to be a little bit of, um, I don't know if bad blood's the right word, but you know, guys get tired of seeing each other in sports and they see each other this quickly, uh, you know, they they might have a little bit of a shorter temper. Yeah, I actually don't mind these little two-game miniseries. It, um, I don't want anything that really reminds me of the pandemic uh, in that 56-game season. Um, I like to forget uh, what happened during COVID for the most part, but uh, I, I do enjoy the rivalries that get built during these little two-game miniseries. And uh, the Flames will play two of them this season. So two against the Sharks this week, and they've got two in St. Louis against the Blues in, in the month of January. And there can be a bit of carryover. There can be a bit of bad blood. We saw a great fight the other night. Now, unfortunately for the Flames, Dennis Gilbert, uh, who definitely did not get the decision in that uh, fight with Jonah Gadjevich, which one of the best scraps I've seen this season, he's been put on IR. And from a Flames perspective, you know, if you would have asked me what uh, position they were deepest at prior to the start of the season, I would have said defense. But even though they had 10 guys on NHL contracts prior to the start of the season, uh, unfortunately, Oliver Shillington, who was a top four guy for them last season, has been away from the team all year uh, dealing with some personal stuff. And then they lose Yusuf Alamaki, a former first round pick on waivers. And they've been banged up on the back end this season. Chris Tanev uh, did take the optional morning skate today. So there's a chance that uh, the Flames' best defensive defenseman could return to the lineup versus the Sharks tonight. That would be a huge boost for them. Just put to put that in perspective, uh, the Flames are 13-8-3 in games Tanev plays in, 1-4-3 in games he doesn't. Sunday's Ooh. win was their first one uh, without him in the lineup this season. So... He is a really important player in their top four. And then Nikita Zadorov blocked a shot mm -hmm. late in Sunday's game. So he's a question mark going into tonight's game as well. So uh, the Flames uh, don't have the depth on defense, at least right now, that we thought they would prior to the start of the season. So that's a question for me going into a game against the Sharks team that offensively, you know, they're pretty darn good. Uh, they score three goals a game. They've got some high-end offensive players, even without hurdle, some guys who can hurt you. So that would be the biggest question mark for me. Can the Flames get by with the defense core that they have? Now, it could work out that both Tanev and Zadorov play, and then it's not really a concern for me. But if uh, one or both of those guys don't play, then uh, this might uh, turn into more of a track meet game than the Flames wanted to be. Daryl Sutter is a guy who wants to win 2-1, not 5-4. So <laughs> we'll have to wait and see how this game plays out. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a really good hockey game for 40 minutes on Sunday. Yeah. And then the Flames did uh, early in the third period what they really haven't done in many games this season, and, and that score a bunch of quick goals to put an opponent away. Uh, you know, three goals in, what, two minutes and 10 seconds to start the third period on Sunday night. So I'm expecting a close contest tonight. And if the Sharks are going to pull off what would be a, a mild upset, I would say they're probably going to need better goaltending from James Reimer than they got from Capo Kakin in the other night. Uh, and if they get that, then I think it's going to be a really good hockey game. Derek, have a great call, and we'll talk soon, all right? All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. 
Again, that is Derek Wills, the radio play-by-play voice of the Calgary Flames, joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. We are just about out of time, but be sure to join us tonight at 7 for live pregame coverage. And then the game broadcast will start at 7.30. And then I will see you again tomorrow morning at 7 for Morning Tide as we look back on the game that was. And hopefully we'll be talking about the Sharks' fourth home win of the year. All right, for the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.